Welcome back, everybody, after a crazy Irish win down in Blacksburg, but a crazy weekend in college football all around the country. As always, the boys recap everything that happened in college football around the country and how it could potentially affect the 2021 college football playoff. We then get into the quarterback situation that the Irish are dealing with right now, all the good and bad we saw in Blacksburg, and a brief look ahead at the rest of the season. We then take a look at our midseason awards for the Irish, who is our offensive defensive player of the year, who has surprised us, and the best play of the year. So that's fun. And then if you make it to the end, you got a chance to make some money as we give our picks for the rest of the week. And we are incredible at that. So have some fun and enjoy the pod. Absolutely. I think this was the first time all year I've really sat down in front of a TV and watched a slate from start to finish, Notre Dame included, you know, within there. But from noon until midnight, 1230, 1 a.m., that was just an awesome weekend of college football. Yeah. One of the best, one of the best I've ever seen. I mean, like going through it, 11 a.m. until 1. I mean, it was crazy. And I like was with you, Donna. I was like on my couch, didn't move. Unless I had to pee, it was incredible. Uh, I say, I have to say, I mean, like I think we've gotten some really, really good Red River games as of late. But I think having the Red River to start the day, I thought that was one of the best football games I've watched in, in quite a long time. Uh, what I really wish Texas had won the football game, or even just forced the field goal instead of giving up a last second touchdown. I think we all mm-hmm. do. But uh, that was starting the day with that was awesome. Like I really, that was that game was a fun football game to watch. Even if you're a college football fan or not, that was a fun football game to watch. I mean, yeah, just the drama of – we don't love Spencer Rattler here. The drama of him getting benched, Caleb Williams coming in, breaking off that, like, 75-yarder, yep. breaking three tra- tackles on the way to do it. All the while, you got Ole Miss, Arkansas duking it out. Like, that, yeah. was, tough to, that was tough to keep up with. Yeah. And then C.J. Stroud making a Heisman push. That's, like, the 11 a.m. slate. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of those games, the Arkansas and the Red River shootout, was just every drive, it seems. Or I guess Texas, maybe not in the second half so much, but it seemed like every other drive, there was just a big play, a deep ball, a huge run. I mean, B. John Robinson in the first half, that run he had was like almost felt like a Heisman moment for a little bit. Then he's completely shut down in the second half, and Kenny Brooks on the Oklahoma side steals the show. Yeah. Along with Caleb Williams. And, and it, it's funny what happens. It, what it's funny what happens when you're on the losing side of these things, and it doesn't get as much attention. Um, but Bijan Robinson had a great day, like you said. That that was a potential Heisman Heisman moment. But but Xavier Worthy from Texas mm-hmm. was wildly impressive. He was great. I think he had nine receptions. I have it up here. He had nine receptions for two sixty. We're talking James Not, Worthy. That, Sorry, I yeah, cut off. Uh, yeah, Xavier worthy. Xavier worthy. Yeah, not nine nine receptions for two sixty one and two touchdowns. He also had a tough fumble on a 
uh, yeah. kick return, but out like his offensive production, I felt heavily outweighed the mistake that was made there. Uh, he was he was awesome. He was so much fun to watch. He was the one who who had the house call on the first first play from scrimmage, which was which was really cool. It did out like overall his day did outweigh that fumble. That was a crucial mistake. Yeah, like the momentum you could feel it going to Oklahoma. And yeah, he fumbled the kickoff, but he also fumbled the kickoff like when the up back was like, nope, nope, we're good. Six <laughs> yards deep in the end zone. Dude, he was he was seven or eight yards deep in the end zone. I was like, what are you doing? I, I like, think he was just feeling himself. Yeah. And he was like, nah, I'm gonna take this game over. But he took the game over for Oklahoma. Like yeah. that was that was a big mistake. But he, otherwise, like he's gonna be around and he's gonna be free mm-hmm. for a little while. He's yeah. a beast. Yeah. yeah. I mean, both those games, wasn't that the so we had over 100 points in the Ole Miss-Arkansas game. I mean, I didn't watch too much of that. I was more focused on Red River game. Then you have, I think, the highest-scoring Red River shootout in history. And then you go over to the 330 slate, and you get Penn State-Iowa. Like, Wake Forest-Syracuse, right? too. Can we not forget about the Deeks? Deeks yeah. pulled barely, one out. Barely escaping the orange. Barely. Yeah. Keeping, their, keeping their ACC, what, Coastal or Atlantic hopes alive? I have the, no their, ACC, their ACC championship hopes alive. They yeah. they are the best team. In, I mean, as of the, now, the highest ranked team in the ACC, right? Yeah, we talked yeah. we talked about that last week. They got a really interesting slate to close it. They got those four games, uh, where I think they play NC State, North Carolina, uh, Clemson, and BC to finish the year, uh, which is the toughest slate. Like they've they still got their whole schedule in front of them. But bottom line is like Wake Forest is in the is in the point where. You escape Syracuse, and you still get to control your own destiny from here on out. I don't think they're a playoff team, but you get to control your destiny from here on out. So you win the games you're supposed to, and you're likely sitting uh, with a spot in Charlotte, which is which yeah. is yeah. We don't have to talk about that. There were other great games, three thirty slate, yeah. but in the mix of it all, something good happened in New York. I, I was here for Wake Forest. That was a fun game. Yeah, um, yeah. But, we, but, let's get let's get into it. To Iowa Penn State. Top five. So, the worst top five matchup I've seen in a long time. So is I have a question. Is Sean Clifford the most valuable player in college football? By the given definition, what we, he might given be. what we saw after he left the game. By yeah. the definition of valuable, Sean Clifford might be the MVP. Yeah. This week if what they valuable have behind him. the dictionary, it'd be Clifford. Clifford would be next to valuable in the dictionary this week. I will say that he early on he did do that one thing that was pretty Sean Clifford of him. Yep. He, threw that, he threw that pick falling down in the end zone. But overall, like I think Penn State, if Sean Clifford doesn't go down, Penn State has a pretty good chance of winning that game. Right? Well, they were up seven when he goes down. Yeah. 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 I think it was 17 three that Iowa scored to get 17 10. But yeah, I, I think they were up and they kind of had the momentum. I mean, they were moving the ball. Then they just absolutely could not. Yeah, like do a thing. I mean, what would they have? There's that one drive where the Iowa crowd, they're backed up towards their own end zone. False start, false start, false start. Three. And yeah, out. that environment looked wild. Uh, I don't know if I've ever really thought of Kinnick Stadium like that. And I look more so when I think of it, I'm thinking of like an 11 a.m. kick. I don't really think of a lot of night games or mm-hmm. afternoon, late afternoon, October games at Kinnick Stadium, but that was a raucous atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, they. Uh, I, I really like when that stuff happens. Uh, it, you know, to me, that you, you get that you get that only in college at the college level. You don't get that uh, at the pro level or at the high school level where you got opposing crowds causing false starts. Uh, we saw that in the Michigan Penn State game. You know, 
uh, yeah, what was it, like two Patterson. years ago now? Yeah, shit, yeah. Like I, I love that. That's probably one of my favorite parts about college football is that the fans can affect the game like that. And you're right. Like I don't necessarily think Kinnick Stadium is one of the hardest places to play in the country, but when you're the number two team in the country, when you're the number two, when you're the number two team in the nation, and you got a top five matchup in town, I think the crowd just gets going. And and I thought they did. I thought they did a pretty good job to influence that game as well. I don't think they, they ultimately won, won or lost the game, but they definitely had it had a say on the outcome a little bit. Yeah. I agree. I mean, then also, you know, we're just going chronologically throughout the day, Georgia with another just very, very solid performance against Auburn. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really feel like that game was ever in doubt. I mean, I didn't, once again, my eyes were definitely more towards the Iowa-Penn State game, but you know, Georgia, I, I've seen this written about, I think McMurphy or maybe, you know, one of the national college football writers has touched on this is Georgia hasn't needed to score this year. They just kind of, you know, score whenever they can. And, you know, it's not like they have a super prolific offense. It's just their defense is that good. Yeah. That Auburn did not play bad. They did not like stink it up off like all over the fields. Georgia just played really well and dominated that game start to finish. And I think they kind of solidified themselves. It's easy to say after Bama lost, which oof, all right, we'll talk about that. But I think they solidified themselves. If they play their best ball, they're probably the best team in the country. And they yeah. play a style that is kind of easy to replicate, I think. I mean, they're not crazy, like creative on offense. They just beat you. They just beat yeah. you one-on-one. Everybody wins their matchups, and they move the ball down the field with their running backs. And then every once in a while, they get a guy open downfield. And whoever's behind center is it's J.D. Daniels, Stetson Bennett will hit them. So, I, I mean, they are they are very good. They looked very good. Yeah, I agree with Ian. I don't think they do anything particularly special on offense. I think they do they do more than enough on offense, but like not, nothing spectacular, nothing crazy. Uh, it's their defense that's carrying this team. I think they gave up their first touchdown. I don't even know if, if the third quarter – I would imagine the third quarter, the first defensive unit was stolen given given the score of the game at that time. But they gave up their first touchdown against the first unit this year, uh, which is just mind-boggling. Uh, this this defense is squarely in the elite category. Um, and the way that the way that certain teams – you know, look at Alabama, the way they struggled against Florida um, – if you're going to struggle against a Florida team, I think you're going to have a lot of issues against the Georgia team. I think a lot of teams would have a lot of issues against the Georgia team as far as moving moving the ball down the field. I mean, so, yeah, Georgia dominated Alabama, Auburn. And then we kick off, which I assume we'll get to last. Yeah, we'll but be During our last. kickoff, we have Michigan-Nebraska, which honestly I didn't see a ton of because we were following what was happening in uh, – College Station, but that was tight. Scott Frost was moved to tears. Took a big run from Haskins to break that. Yeah, I I, uh, I got I had some eyes on that just because I had limited. We were we were on a stream outside, so we were limited as far as what games we could get. We couldn't get the CBS game, but um, I was able to watch the end of that game. Nebraska had a shot at winning that football game. Um, they gave they gave Ann Arbor, they gave Michigan all you know a, a pretty pretty good run for their money. Uh, I think this Michigan team is flawed, and I thought Nebraska did a good job attacking those flaws. Just, just couldn't pull one out. Uh, I, I was for the longest time, I was pretty anti Scott Frost in Nebraska. I thought it was kind of all a big joke, but it was for the first time, like this week, I was like, damn, like 
he wants to be there. He wants to win. He's getting closer to winning. This team is getting closer. You know, I, I would like to see because if they get good again, I think that's good for the Big Ten overall, right? Like that that makes the Big Ten stronger overall. That that pushes Iowa because obviously, you know, Wisconsin's not going to do that. Uh, so I'd like to see Iowa get again. I think you know, Michigan, Michigan. That's one where Michigan really escaped. Um, uh, whereas the whereas the ranked team in College Station could not escape, and and they got beat. I have a uh, I have a Nebraska under six wins. That was big for that. That was huge yeah, for that. That's huge, huge, huge for that. And they're probably going to be the best five or six win team in the country. Like they're they're yeah. good. They're, they're pretty good. Solid. They just got yeah. They got Adrian, got Iowa left and Ohio State left, or Michigan State and I and Ohio State left. Adrian Martinez yeah. had had three had almost three hundred yards and three touchdowns, no picks. And yeah, strong. and Michigan's defense is good. Michigan's defense yeah. is is good. Yeah, um, so like it's it's not it's not like they couldn't move the ball like they yeah you know, they they twenty they twenty they twenty nine second half all their points came in the second half, which is you know yeah if, if you get anything nice. going in the first half you're probably in much better shape. Yeah, I gosh I would have just loved to see Michigan lose that game. I mean, might have saved it's Scott Frost's job. Um, I do think if he picks off one of those big names that you mentioned later on the schedule, which I definitely think there's a non-zero chance of that happening. Yeah, um, totally. Because this team is solid. I don't think they're going to get beat, you know, 59-0 or something by Ohio State. I think, you know, they'll be fairly competitive, as in keep it within four touchdowns. But I, I think they can pick off a state of Iowa. So be interesting to see. I think, I think Scott Frost's job is not really in jeopardy right now. I used to think that, but the way he's got him playing, I think they'll buy since, into that. Since the, since the Illinois game, I mean, they've like – They've certainly turned things around, not all the way around, but they're starting. They're starting to right the ship. I think he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, I think he's like convince some people and hang around. Whereas I think he's he's moving in the right direction. Whereas I think if you look to Baton Rouge, like I think LSU is moving in the wrong direction. Like I like I don't think the LSU Tigers are bought in, and I think Ed Orgeron's seat is scorching hot. Whereas I think Frost is doing a pretty good job of cooling his down and keeping kids engaged and keeping kids wanting wanted to be there. Edward's run, yeah. I mean, he might not survive his next bullet gumbo. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've talked about a times on love of that great motivator, but that dude, like, I don't think he can coach football. He just got lucky with Joe Brady, Joe Burrow, yeah. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. Just like everything came together at the perfect time. I mean, he's never really proven to be a great coach. Otherwise, I think he's just a really good coach. I think we've mentioned that before. Where he'd come in and motivate a team for the rest of the year. Yeah, he had his dream job, won the title, but he's, he's almost worn out as welcome in Baton Rouge. I mean, is Kentucky good, by the way? I don't think they necessarily are. They're well, not. Computers don't think so. They're, they're not not good. Yeah, right? they're not not good. Like, like I like I think Will Levis like is good is is deep, is a pretty good SEC quarterback. I I don't think he's Bryce Young, Matt Corral, uh, Stetson Bennett, JT Daniels like level, but. I, I'm not fully convinced that he's not as good as Zach Calzada, right? Like, I, I think I think he's good enough. They got the leading rush in the SEC. I think his name is Cruz, right? Um, or, I forget what his, what his name is. But he's got, they got the leading rush in the SEC. Uh, they're doing enough on defense. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think th- this week will be telling, and we'll get to that towards the end of this, you know, to the end of this party, 
when we talk about this this week coming up, uh, this week will be telling. But I, it, I think the second half, obviously, and this goes without saying, the, sec- the second half will be very telling on who's pretenders and who could, who's contenders. Because at this point in the season, I don't remember having this many contenders around in quite yeah, some time. Yeah. You got four Big Ten East teams, Iowa, uh, Kentucky's undefeated, Georgia's there, Alabama's there. Uh, Oregon still hanging around. Like, I just I don't remember a, a, a season where you have this many people still hanging around through the midway point. Um, so I think I think we'll find a lot out next month. But you know, that remains to be seen. I I give Kentucky the benefit of the doubt. You know, I'm going to have a difficult time picking against them this week. They're good at winning games thus far. Yeah. That's what we can say about them. They, yep. they have won everything they've been asked to win and put themselves in a pretty good position. Um. Should we get to it? I mean, I just hand up, hand up. My 17 and a half point lock lost. <laughs> Not against spread, they lost. Straight out. They lost straight up. That was tough. Oof, oof. Uh, and I will say, when I made that pick, I know I was hard on myself for making that pick. Did I don't think many people disagreed with me. No, I, t- I had Alabama in the first half. What? What was this Texas A&M team we saw? Who was this Zach Calzada we saw? I don't know. I have no clue. I, I think no it's a idea. bunch of Bama's defense isn't as good as they, you know, happen in years past. They really had, like, even last year they weren't elite. But, I mean, they gave up almost 50 in Florida. It, it was a combination of electric atmosphere at Kyle Field, and then, you know, just not getting stops. When they, I mean, they scored 38 points. Typically that's enough for Alabama team. Or did they score 38? Yeah, I believe so. And I mean, if you take the lead or you tie it up, then you give them a kick. You know, when you have all the momentum, you can shut them down. You can't let a game-changing play happen. It's kind of similar in the sense to what happened in Notre Dame-Wisconsin game. You know, Wisconsin takes momentum. It's, you know, late in the game, and then a kick return just changes everything, flips it on its head. Yeah. Uh, again, I didn't really watch too much of this game, um, but it sounded like that kick return really did did wonders in changing the momentum. It also sounded like I don't know if you guys watched this game any closer than I did, just because you know it was the same time as the Notre Dame game. Um, but it sounded like uh, it sounded like Saban for the first time was getting some getting some questions about his decision making on whether to kick or whether to punt or whether to go for it. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't, Ian, did you get a lot of eyes on this? I, I was watching it. Um, so back to like the game-changing play. Bama made the game-changing play. They blocked the field goal, or they blocked the punt for the touchdown, and then the next play was the kick return. Um, and if that doesn't happen, Bama definitely wins the game. And Slevin, I more so say like the criticism comes, yeah, there were some fourth down calls and stuff like that. Criticism comes because they lost the game. Like yeah, if a couple things – if that kick return doesn't happen and stuff like that, and Bama's walking away with the win, I think it's more so like Nick Saban managed that game perfectly. Mm-hmm. I don't think he made any decisions that were that shocking if you're assuming that Bama is what Bama is. Like yeah. he's like, we're going to punt, we're going to get a stop against Zach, Calz- Zach, Zach Calzada, and we'll get the ball back. Like, because we're Bama. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. That will happen. Texas A&M just kept moving the ball, and that's when those decisions looked less brilliant. I'd say. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it sounds like he he thought he thought he had he could, he was going to get a little bit more from his defense. And, and yeah, he just kind of didn't. They also uh, maybe they didn't maybe go ahead. 
play calling was a little weird. I think was more so would be my yeah um, criticism. They ran a fullback dive with Brian Robinson that he fumbled on on fourth and one. It's like, what do you do? You're just QB sneak it. First of all, there are way too many times like Notre Dame doesn't do this enough. If it's fourth and one or fourth and inches, just QB sneak. Just just get onto the ball and go for it. I hate that call. But a fullback dive on fourth and one, that's an interesting call. And obviously that wasn't Saban who made that call. So there was coaching errors. I wouldn't pin it on Saban. Yeah. He probably wasn't expecting to get as much from Cat from he wasn't expecting to see as much resistance from Zach Calzada as he did either, I would imagine. So no. Uh, something, a few errors in the calculus, but yeah, so necessarily his fault. I'm gonna say the obvious, but like in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter all that much for Bama, except that it doesn't provide them the ability to lose again, right? Yeah, yeah, they got They have to win out, but I still think they have a pretty good control of their own destiny at this point. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, like I think their ceiling. I think their ceiling is still. Uh, a national champion, like national championship, still, still getting a, birth, a playoff berth. I don't think, I don't think that that has been lowered by any means. Yep, but now the, the only difference is, is it involves you have to beat Georgia in the SEC title game. You know, yeah. if they, if that was two undefeated matching, you know, the losers are still comfortably in. I'd say this year, there's really not a ton of people on the door. So, kind of there's themselves, you know, the luxury, like you said, they can't afford their loss. I'd, I'd find it very hard to see a two-loss Bama team in unless, you know, I, I guess even this year if things continue to be this crazy, if they lose another game, you know, say just some random one LSU, I mean, that would be crazy. But yeah. if they somehow lose and then take right. off a number one Georgia yeah, in the SEC title game, which it would still probably take a while for them to even make it. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's not that crazy, I think, to have a two-loss SEC team in this year. Of all years, no. But I do think I do think that if you're a Cincinnati fan, if you're in the Cincinnati program, like not only do you have to take care of your own business, like they, and I don't know if they will. I really, I really don't necessarily believe that they will. I think they also have some flaws that some teams in in their conference are going to test, especially because they have to beat one of the teams twice. But if you're a Cincinnati fan, like you have to be at this point, you're a Notre Dame fan from here on out. You hope Notre Dame finishes. You have to hope and pray Notre Dame finishes eleven and one. And then you really got to root for Georgia there too. You hope Georgia goes thirteen and zero, because that would result in in the other SEC team having two losses. Clemson already has two losses. You gotta. It's almost to a point where Cincinnati needs some chalk to hold, right? Like they're probably Iowa fans as well, right? If you get if you get an undefeated Iowa Big Ten champ, an undefeated Georgia SEC champ, and everybody else has two losses, you know it's you think your chances get a lot better rather yeah. than if chaos, if chaos starts to break out, because then you can start making a case for, uh, you know, if there's a bunch of one loss teams there, Oregon in the mix, Alabama in the mix, Ohio state in the mix. Uh, I, you know, like if all those teams are in the mix, uh, I think it hurts their chances substantially. They really, they're almost, they almost kind of need to chalk the holes from here on out. Which really does. I mean, it just, I think it just highlights how freaking hard it was always going to be for Cincinnati to make it in still possible, yeah. but I mean, it's just you're you're looking at a lot of different scenarios that have to play out exactly right. I think. I agree. All right, anybody got a fraud? Yeah, so uh, let's get into it. Bishop Sycamore fraud of the week. Slev, you want to start us off? 
Yeah, I can go first. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday. Uh, mine was actually a week was technically a week seven pick, uh, not not from week six, but given that it happened last night, uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with these guys. Uh, the Appala- uh, I'm gonna go with Appalachian State. Uh, they were uh, they were dismal last night uh, in at you at, at uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Their defense was bad. They couldn't stop anything. The offense could not get it going. Chase Bryce was was quite frustrating. Um, when you think that the Mountaineers are the better team and they're talking about this revenge tour, we're going to beat everybody that, that, that beat them last year. I was, uh, I was quite disappointed in the Mountaineers. Um, I love Boone. I love Luke Combs. I think it's a great stadium. I think it's a great city, but they failed me on the road last night and I was pretty disappointed in them. They didn't release, I don't know if they did, but they didn't release their normal social media hype video that kind of gets people up for the Mountaineers. And I think that, yeah, bad. you know what? It's two, it was Tuesday too. We had the fun, we had a, we had a Tuesday night fun belt game. So that could also have something to do with it, but inexcusable that if you're a four point favorite to, to get blown out like that on the road. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah. So I, I, I touched on this probably a couple times in my Friday week, but I just think it should be reiterated when you have, it doesn't matter who it is when you have an five team, coming to your stadium, that 0-5 team has lost to an FCS school for like one of the first or maybe second times in their program's history. You should be expected to win when you have maybe QB1 on your team, right, in the NFL draft or maybe one of the top three or four QBs. Um, no, North Carolina, not only did they lose, they got shit-pumped by Florida State. Like Florida State <laughs> yeah. took it to them. Florida State finally, I guess, made the change back from – Jordan Travis back to McKenzie or from McKenzie Milton back to Jordan Travis. Uh-huh. And he had a very good game, you know, throwing the ball, ran it all over Carolina. And for all the hype surrounding Mac Brown, the preseason hype, the recruiting rankings, um, if you're a Tar Heels fan, like you got to be feeling pretty shitty right now. So yeah, North Carolina, they, they were Tar tra- Heels, Sam Harrell, frauds. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say they were trying their full offensive line back too. Like it shouldn't have been, Shouldn't have been that much of an issue. Also, like uh, this, this is something we could talk about later. But I almost kind of hope this week that they blow out Miami. Let their let their get right game be this week. Um, so that way, because I think they play this week and then they're on a bye, and then they come to South Bend. Let them blow somebody out. Let them blow Miami out of the water this week, and then I think not. Not that I'm that worried about it, but I think it would be in our favor if they if they pumped Miami <clears throat> this weekend. All right, well, my fraud, we talked about the 11 a.m. games, you know, like we very much enjoyed them, which we had, I enjoyed 98% of the 11 a.m. games. The last five seconds of both games were absolutely brutal for for some reasons. Um, I was so mad. So my fraud is going to be the home clock operator at Ole Miss. Ole Miss, five-and-a-half-point favorites, score a touchdown – to go up seven with a minute left. The defense, which we knew sucked, so they're not going to be frauds because we knew they, knew they sucked, lets Arkansas waltz right back down the field. And then with five seconds left, Arkansas is second and goal from the five, runs a play, and throws it out of bounds. And the home clock operator stops it with one second left. Let that roll game over or, or Ole Miss minus seven. Instead, he... Has a quick trigger on the button, stops with one second. Arkansas gets one more play, scores a touchdown, goes for two, misses it, kills the minus five and a half. Dude, you are the home clock operator. 
Nobody's going to call you if you get a little lazy on that last play. We don't need you to be, you know, Dr. Moral over there. Let Ian, that thing roll. Ian, how about two of the worst beats of all time within six minutes of each Horrid. other? Like, I mean, two it was awful beats. It was I don't know. I, I don't know if you watched I, – like, I had I had two screens up, so I was able to watch yeah. the old Miss-Arkansas game while it was happening. And as soon as Ole Miss scored, with, I think there was a minute and seven seconds left, I was like – Dude, they I, scored I, in the first play. I was like, they left too much time. I, I didn't say time. that. I didn't say that, and I take full responsibility. They I take full responsibility time. for that. Also, but, and then in the Red River game, Lincoln Riley's playing for a field goal. They weren't even trying to score. They were they were playing for a field goal, that, that protects the three and a half. And yeah. they weren't even Jeez. trying to score; they were just trying to set it up on the left hash for their kicker. And then Texas was like, "You know what? It's been a long day. Let's all Texas go home. Texas parted the the, the the burnt orange sea for oh, for oh Brooks, and he waltzed in. I was very angry. But, so it was they were very enjoyable games until the last five seconds of each. So that's that's my fraud of the week. Good good pick, Ian. Yep. All right. Should we move on to the Irish? Let's do it. Great. So my initial thoughts on this game is obviously one, good to win. Two, I'm kind of like coming to grips with what this team is and that it's by Notre Dame standards, a very average to below average. If you compare it to the last four or five years team, revolving door at quarterbacks, Offensive line, still a bunch of moving pieces. New defensive coordinator, you know, still trying to figure things out there, I think. You know, we're playing Myron out of position at the end. But still, they make things exciting, at least. And they found a way to win on the road in a really tough environment. I thought that was very impressive. You know, by the coaching staff, I thought Tyrese called a good game. I'm just very glad we won. I don't know how, but we won. That seems to be the coaches and media talking points this week, too. It's like, let's just drop all expectations for this team and enjoy them for what they are. Like, I've seen that from, you know, like, Polian, Kelly, Sampson. All, like, coaches and media are driving that narrative. Um, yeah, that's fun. it was a fun game. It was fun to win. If we didn't lose, or if we didn't win, Dono, your opener right there would be a lot different, I think, and there'd be a lot more fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree with that, but I'm also not. I'm not going to miss the train on the. Let's enjoy this team for what they yeah. are, because I, like, yes, that that's 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 the narrative that's being pushed by Sampson and and Co. And then also being pushed by Kelly and Co. But I think if you don't if you don't begin to move to that side of the to that side of the aisle or try to hop on that bus while it's leaving, I think you're going to have a pretty bad time the rest of the way. Uh, I just don't I think we all have super, super high expectations for this team and that's okay, but those need to be adjusted in, in this year. Uh, so adjusting them sooner rather than later, I think will allow you to enjoy more Notre Dame football than be crazy stressed about it. That's not to say I'm not going to be stressed uh, for the, you know, for the last six games here, but I think it'll, it'll allow you to have more fun as a fan. If, if you accept this team for what it is, that we're going to keep playing tight games, that nothing's going to be easy. Um, that, you're still looking for answers in a lot of places that you should have answers at by now. Uh, but that's okay. Let's keep winning football games and, uh, and, and, and let's see what, let's see what happens. Right. Cause like, like we were just talking about, like, a lot of crazy things have happened thus far. I'm, I'm forecasting more crazy things to happen in the coming weeks. Uh, take care of your business, get, do what you can to get to 11 and one and, and see, and see where the chips fall. 
Yep. It's there. Right. That that will I will like this team is not very good, Dono, as you said. This schedule is also not very good. In years no. past, this schedule Maybe. is matching up to exactly what this team needs. I mean yep. seeing the next two games, especially USC and Carolina, like they have severely underperformed. I mean it's two teams I can still move the ball on offense, but wow. I mean back back to us. I mean, I think last week we were all kind of calling for Drew Pine to start then doesn't play a snap. So that was that that was I mean, I, I'm not it worked pissed. Did it work? It worked, but yeah. It I guess it worked, but I we do misread say that. We did we did misread that. Um I will say I do want to I want to call something out right now. Um I think I think I finally I'm really turning a corner on this offensive line. Um and I think it happened on the third drive of the game. Uh so Z Corral had a pretty bad start to the game. He had a false start on fourth and one. He got blown up on the cone sack, uh, and they uh, and they replaced him with Kristoffic. And then Alt played left tackle. Kristoffic was at the left guard, and then it was uh, Jared Patterson, Kane Madden, and um, and Lug from from center to the right to right tackle. Those guys I thought played really really well the rest of the game. They did not allow mm-hmm. a tackle for a loss that wasn't a sack, uh, and didn't allow a tackle for a loss after the first quarter. Four of those six offensive line, four of those five offensive linemen had had a top six grade from Pro Football Focus this week, uh, and we had a, a season high rushing total this this week. Uh, it's not great. The rush the rushing total was one eighty four, I believe. Uh, it's not great, but it's better, um, and we're moving in the right direction. The whole thing won't be fixed this season. Don't expect that to be the case. But if we could just get below average by Notre Dame standards going forward, like you know, we. I would like to see what this offense can do. Um, so I just want to—I I do want to call that out. I thought the offensive line played played better against Cincinnati and played much better this week against Virginia Tech. I mean, yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, I'll leave it at that with you. For me, the story of the game, like Dono, I think we disagreed on how Kelly managed this game, um, and I think a large part mm-hmm. of Coach's job, game to game, is handling the quarterback position, and it seemed like a mess the whole time. Um, and I wish I was at practice. I really wish I was at practice because Drew Pine has to be one of the worst practice players we've ever seen if he's not going to get any chances from what he's done in game. And also, I, I don't you he, he gave up on J- Jack Cohn after two drives, which I agreed with at the time. So I hope Tyler Buckner was getting first team snaps a lot in practice. Slev, do you have any insight on that? Whether if he was uh, getting first team rep? No, I did not. Uh, she kind of said it was it was fairly even, fairly even split. Didn't have a whole lot of whole lot of insight. It sounded like they were kind of divvying him up uh, as kind of as they have been. Um, which you know, I, and Ian, I agree with you. Like his job is Kelly's job is to manage the quarterback room right is to manage who's gonna who's gonna be playing in what spots i just don't think he has the i don't just don't think he has an answer right now um and it's really just playing you know playing it from the hip at this point and while i think he needs to find an answer soon you know it'd be hypocritical for me to get to get angry with him or to get frustrated with him because i don't have an answer either like you said we're not a practice so it's tough to, it's tough to tell right and and the media and like the media is not a practice but it's it's so weird to me though. What I get worked up about it is 
it's, it's two entirely different offenses because they're two entirely different players, right? The play calls are different. The way they attack a defense is different. Their skill sets are vastly different. But then you're dropping Tyler Buckner back for like a three-step drop and quick outs through two of them. Both of them should have been pick six as one of them was. If you're going to do that, just use Drew Pine because he's much better. Like you're using Tyler Buckner as a drop back passer in places when he's clearly not ready to be that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of where I disagree is this is, you know, looking forward, Kelly saying what's going to be the best thing for the Notre Dame program. Tyler Buckner giving him the whole playbook, which we did. And yes, there are struggles. And yes, against a better team, we don't win that game by unleashing Tyler Buckner. Um, but against a team like Virginia Tech, who's pretty darn average, we only win that game because we relieved Tyler Buckner and gave him the chance to lead two touchdown drives, including the second one being a two-minute drill where he threw the ball you know, pretty damn well. Now in the second half, you could tell that that's a kid who hasn't played football a whole lot over the last three years, as in missing very easy throws. You know, How many times has he really repped screen passes where you have to dump it over an offensive lineman. Don't think that was really a whole lot part of his high school playbook based off the highlights and practice. You know, how many times is he repping that when he was third team running scout team plays? But that's, that's my point. Like why not get a rep in that the whole week of practice and be like, Jack, be ready to go. But we're going with Tyler from the get go. Like, yeah. yeah, Why don't we unleash Tyler Buckner from the start? It's still not running, you know, he's probably did rep that play a couple times, but it's still one or two reps. It's not when bullets are flying and you got 70,000 people screaming at you. So sure. it's a little I, different. I, I, but I also see what, because I, I, I see both sides. And, I, and Ian, I'm probably more inclined to agree with Dono. And, and I think this speaks to a bigger thing, to a bigger piece of what Notre Dame did this week. And I'll come back to that as far as playing the young guys. But Ian makes a good point too. Like at this point, is Jack Cohn a known quantity? Is first are the first team reps going to make him that much better at practice? Whereas if you can give, where is you can give them to Buckner, who probably needs them, and no, they're not they're not seventy thousand screaming loud fans with 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 an absolutely live defense. But if you give him more first team reps, is that more beneficial? Right? Because like is Jack Cohn's just not going to get that much better with those first team reps. I think there's a potential where Buckner. Mm-hmm. Buckner is is definitely severely benefits from from getting those reps in practice. So I see what Ian's saying as well, but I, I'm also inclined to agree with Ian that there's nothing that can truly replicate that. And doing it against an average team, it, it, getting those interceptions out, getting those those dumb those dumb decisions on the road in loud environments, getting those out of your system early and making those mistakes now could be really, really beneficial for a 2022 team, for a 2023 team, and for a 2024 team. I'm totally with you guys. So why are we wasting three of the first drives of the game on Jack Cohn? Yeah, those are ways to drive to me. And we'll get into – I don't have a good answer for it. We'll get into, like, what Jack Cohn did for this team in the fourth quarter. It's a tale of two halves. But you said unleash Tyler Buckner, like – and he needs those live reps. I fully, fully agree with you. So why are we wasting three drives with Jack Cohn Three and outs. Like, yeah. What yeah, else do no, we have to not. see? How many more lives does this dude have? I don't understand. Yeah. I, I will I say, like, you know, go ahead, Tom. Yeah. No, 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 you go ahead. Okay. I mean, I will say, you know, seeing Jack Cohen, and he just looked like a completely different player after he was benched. He, yeah. because 
he didn't have time to really think, think about it. He just yeah. played football, you know, and I think when he comes into the game, obviously there's a shit ton of nerves you're hearing. There's no way he can truly turn out the noise from Notre Dame fans the entire week leading up saying bench Cohen, start pine. I'm sure that's in his head, you know, at the start of that game where we saw him, you know, for the probably 15th time this year, sack himself. Um, for the lack of a better term. I mean, that's what it was. No, it wasn't exactly a terrible pass, bro. Yeah. And when he comes in at the end of the game, he had no choice. I mean, his ears are probably already numb. He just went out there and played football. And if we get that Jack on, you know, that's a Jack Cohen Notre Dame can win big games with, maybe not, you know, playoff games, but enough to win every game on their schedule. But at the same time, you know, I it, it is just such a tough situation because – you know, you have Buckner, who is very obviously the future. I think Kelly more or less announced it without saying that yeah. on Saturday night. You know, you want to get him as many reps as possible because it's only going to help the team in the future. And then there's Drew Pine, who has shown that, you know, I think maybe we are kind of over-exaggerating what he did against Cincinnati because of how bad Jack Cohen was. You know, by comparison, he looked better, kind of similarly against Wisconsin, but you know, you, you got to feel for him. You know, everyone's begging for him to start, and then he doesn't get a single rep. So, yeah, I, I certainly feel for Pine. I have a question for you guys. Do we have to go full Tampa Bay Rays and start using an opener? Like, <laughs> like, do we need to just bring Jack Cohn out of the pen because he seems to play better out of the bullpen? Like, yeah, it's just I don't. I'm I'm somewhat kidding, somewhat serious. Like, does Buckner need to play the first three drives? It, it is no, but I like I'm with you though. Like when you I name know, a starter, no, when know. you name a starter, the D coordinator is gonna focus 85 percent of the time game planning against that starter. So say you name Buckner that starter, they're gonna game plan against Buckner, and then Cone gets in there and he gives a different look. Like I don't know, there's some value to that. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a very good point. In that chaos at the quarterback position, given that, you know, we have seen all three guys execute, maybe it's not the best thing for Notre Dame. Maybe it's just like almost worse for the defensive coordinator. Say we, we only get 50% or maybe it's, you know, 40% Cohen, 40% Buckner, 20% even pine. Cause they all bring three different skill sets to prepare for. Yeah. You know, Cohen's, you know, not necessarily a gunslinger, but he's going to get back there and try to at least push the ball downfield somewhat. <laughs> Drew Pines, catch and release, get the ball as fast, and then Buckner can kill you with his legs. It's, you know, you want to run three different styles of defense against those guys, and you know, not getting a full week of reps when you have four days to prepare against the team, and you got to prepare for three different guys that can beat you and score touchdowns on you at least against the caliber of opponents we're playing. I think that you know can be maybe not the best thing for Notre Dame, but worse for our opposing defenses. I was just about to say, like, uh, yeah, like, I, I think you guys made a good point there. If I'm a defensive coordinator, D, D, tell, me if you, tell me if you think differently, but, like, uh, against Buckner, I'm putting eight, I'm putting eight in the box and yeah. tell, him, tell him to beat me. Against Cone, I'm putting five in the box and dropping six. I'm putting three down linemen and dropping eight. Like, Run then try to run the football on me, or we'll get home with we'll get home with three guys or fourth or three in a blitz. With with Pine, I'm playing more base defense. Like I think you can get a little bit of both. Probably still dropping eight and trying to make him beat you with his feet. He's a good athlete, not a great athlete. Like it's just it just changes the defense. So in that way, while it may not be great for longevity, and it, I don't know if it's actually sustainable, chaos may have played may have been a Notre Dame's favor the last few weeks. This the Buckner offense looks exciting when he's in there and 
he can do some things. I do think the rest of the offense, like our receivers play a much different game when he's in there. And I think they need work doing that as well. It's not only Buckner getting reps. Like it's, yeah. it's our outside receivers blocking on the edge because Buckner's out there running, you know, like some of those blocks are missed because they don't have the experience blocking for somebody on the edge like that. And, and to that point as well, like, so there was, Ian, you mentioned there's two balls that should have been pick sixes. One of them was a pick six. The other one was dropped. Hit the, hit, yeah. the, hit the kid in a bad spot right in the hands. This, the, the one that was the interception. Oh yeah. Cozy. I'm not, yeah, I'm not like it, bad, bad pass from Buckner. I still think Kelly kind of talked through it in the post game. It was still a bad read, but borderline, the bottom line is like, that was a miscommunication between him and Colsey. Mm-hmm. And we don't know who, whose fault it was, but Colsey, didn't really make a huge effort. I didn't really look like he knew. What was going it looked on like he was like, run blocking. It looked like he was blocking down the field. It didn't look like yeah. he was out. I didn't think. He, I still don't know if it's the right pass, but it also I, I'm not completely ready to pin that one on Buckner. You know, like yeah. I think it's probably mostly his fault. But you need some help from your receivers at certain points, right? Especially when your quarterback is young and Colsey's young too. But uh, that just seemed like a miscommunication as well. I was uh, I was a little confused by that. Speaking of young guys, though, I don't want to. I think we uh, we did a very good discussion on the quarterbacks there. I still don't know if any of us have have an answer. I, Kelly no. doesn't have an answer, and I think we'll all be in South Bend for USC, and we'll see at seven thirty. But you know, on 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 set on Saturday twenty third, I do want to touch on this though. We got a lot of young guys in the game, a lot of young guys in the game, which was really good to see. And I thought the young guys played well. Joe Alt was fantastic at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Diggs played really well in place of yeah. a yeah. possibly concussed Kyron and a turf toe for Tyree. It's a turf toe? I don't know it's a turf toe. I, th- I thought I heard it was a turf toe. I, yeah. may, I may be wrong on that, That's but I thought sad. I heard turf toe. Uh, Colsey and Styles are not were not great, but they've had moments thus far where they've been where they've been good. And then you had two two freshman tight ends uh, in Evans and Burong, and Evans got tossed. Um, that play was the target. The targeting, I was kind of annoyed with the target with with him getting tossed for that play for the blindside block because, I a he didn't use his helmet. B I don't really think the kid. I don't really think he hit him from behind. I guess it's still technically a blindside block. It, I think it's just. I thought it was a pretty solid crackback, but I also know that he didn't know what the hell was going on in that play. If you look at him just prior to the snap, he's standing in his stance and turns back to the quarterback and shows him his hands like, "What am I doing?" So. He, I think he was just gonna try and hit somebody as hard as he could, and he and he did it. I was still pretty pissed that he got 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 taken out of the game for it. But it, I, it was good for those guys to get reps and to step up. Like I think if there's one good thing we can definitely take away is that the future is bright here, even with some mental mistakes on the road in a really in what Cam in what Cam Hart called the craziest environment he's ever been in, like the most wow. hostile environment he's ever been in. So for your junior stud corner to be saying that i'm sure your freshmen your fresh your true freshmen who are out there were also feeling that and i thought those guys played well beyond well beyond what i would have expected from those guys so so kudos to the kudos to the young guys who played this week mm-hmm. i agree uh, question, Go question for you guys sorry d i mean to cut you off d i know you read some of the message boards a little closer than maybe i or ian does any word on sebo here Sebo didn't travel. I, I mean, I, I don't think get me wrong. Still, Diggs was good. Diggs was good. Yeah. But I was like, what? Yeah. You know. I, I mean, it's still just like speculation is that no one really knows. No one really asked Kelly about him in a presser. So there's no 
information to really get there. And obviously Kelly didn't have his normal pressers this week because of the buys that, you know, I think because of his like, you know, hit and run incident or whatever happened over the off season, he got the classic unannounced four game suspension. And part of me thinks, you know, given how Logan Diggs looked is that did Sebo just get jumped in the, on the depth chart? Yeah. I thought Diggs, I thought Diggs looked good. I really did. He did. He read yeah. well. And that that's for a guy that showed up in August. He wasn't even an early enrollee, so that's even more impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should we flip it to defenses? Yeah, real quick, real quick. I thought he was going to play. It's a different game if Michael Mayer plays. There are a lot of situations yeah. where yeah. we would have gone to Michael Mayer. Um, that's all to say, like, he didn't play. And that happens. Like, you're not always going to have all your guys. That's a big guy to miss. It would have looked different offensively if he played. It's yeah, good to get him also, an extra two weeks to rest. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. He'll be I, good to go. I agree completely. And I also know he wanted to play, but I think the coaching staff made a decision where they thought they could win the game without him, and they did. Yeah. Um, so that game, that game will pay off. I don't really have a huge issue with it. I'd rather get him fully healthy for the last six games and, uh, and see what he can do. I'm sure that the, the groin getting two weeks off is going to be – or almost three weeks off is going to be very helpful for that. I mean, let's not lose sight of the fact that – not only do we play a lot of young guys, we play, the, we play a lot of young guys out of necessity due to injury. Uh, yeah. No mayor. Tyree was out. Kyron went out with, with possible concussion before he tapped himself back in. Uh, We're on our fourth string left tackle. Fourth string left tackle. That's pretty second, damn good. But. Yeah. All was, I was going to, I want to talk, touch on that at the end, but all it's your set, your fourth string left tackle, your second freshman left tackle, you're starting. Uh, yeah, this like this Notre Dame team is far from fully healthy. Uh, you know, uh, obviously Buckner gets hurt. So uh, mm-hmm. let's talk defense then. Um, D, what were your thoughts on defense? I have two two overarching ones, but, but only. I mean, it was just pictures. like good, not great. You know, we never really got beat by the big play again, which is encouraging given how you know stressful that was first couple weeks of the season. Uh, it was more, you know. What we've been really good at the last few weeks has been third down defense, and we couldn't do that. And I think playing a truly mobile quarterback in Braxton Burmeister hurt that. So, you know, we would – I mean, we've been doing what we did all year and getting them in third and five-plus situations. You know, they couldn't really run the ball on us. Their passing game was, you know, hit or miss. And then, you know, you give up a scramble or you scramble or he scrambles and someone leaves their man to go try to get Burmeister and he dumps it off to the tight end. I know that happened on one of the first drives. So it was, you know, plays like that where maybe we weren't as assignment sound on third down and it cost us in a couple situations. But overall, you know, solid from the defense, especially, you know, on first and second down and Tariq Bracey making a play when we really needed momentum. Oh, yeah. We needed one. Um yeah, I was going to. I kind of agree with you on the assignment football piece there. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's an overarching issue. I thought it was a. I thought it was an issue against Florida State, and it's been cleaned up since. I just think it may have taken a small step back last week and playing like you said, a truly, truly more mobile quarterback in Burmeister uh, was tough. Uh, it really challenged. It really challenged the defensive line to kind of hold their gaps, uh, and. And I don't think they did that all that well. I thought they lost contain a bunch. Uh, Freeman likes to blitz, and there's a lot of different blitz combos, um, which makes holding your gap and holding your lane a bit more confusing. Um, it's frustrating when we don't when he when he throws these blitz packages out. And we don't get home. We get close, but we don't get home. And then when we don't get home, and the quarterback scrambles, that's kind of when we see that. That's kind of what happens. That kind of what happened on the touchdown. 
that last touchdown that Burmeister ran in from 30 yards out. Like, you just – you lose – you blitz the backers, so you lose your help there, and you lose contain on the end, and, and Burmeister's allowed to – you know, allows himself to, to squeak loose. So that part was a little bit frustrating. It's not stuff that's not fixable. Freeman will be all over it. I'm not really worried about it, but that was just something I kind of noticed this week from, from the front seven. We're blitzing, but we're having a little bit of trouble getting all the way home. Uh, which is something I'd kind of like to see us clean up in the second half. Yeah, if we start getting you. if we if we start getting if we get if we start getting home, defenses are going to have uh, a very difficult time. That was my main concern. Was like D line, like we need a big play, like get home, get home. They just couldn't get home. Um, overall, it was just a bad game tackling for us. It wasn't one of the games where our guys were going to get beat one on one, like in space. It was not filling gaps correctly. It was. Not wrapping up. Like, was that Cam Hart on that third down? Yeah, that was awful. And he yeah, talked I about mean, it on, on his podcast. He talked about it on his What did podcast. he say? I'm interested to hear what he said. I mean, because it happens. Like, he just wanted to blow the guy up, but wrap up. Like, he'll learn from well, that. That's a one-time he, mistake, I think. He was in between. I think he got – he thought about it too much and just fell right in between. I'm going to blow this guy to pieces or I'm going to try and make a sound tackle on third down. And Were they giving him shit for it? Yeah, kind of. Okay. <laughs> uh, what did he say? <laughs> He was just like I. He's like I. Basically, he was just saying like I froze. Like I, I was, I was in between trying to make a big stick or playing sound fundamental football. Either of those, I think, would have worked in the spot. I think he just kind of got flat footed and didn't know what he wanted to do, and then therefore lunged at the guy rather than having a powerful hit or, or a sound hit, and uh, and whiffed, uh, and it was not pretty. Um, yeah, and I agree. I thought I had a. But the tackling overall, I did make a note of that when I like during my rewatch. I was like, the tackling was suspect a little bit. Now again, not something that's not going to get fixed. It's not something I have a huge issue with. I just thought, yeah, could have been could have been a little bit better. With that said, with in the secondary, I'm really for a unit that I was that I was pretty skeptical on from a defensive standpoint. Like I was really comfortable with the front seven or eight. It was a little less comfortable with the back. Yeah, with with the defensive backs. I think they're playing really, really well. I think that Clarence Lewis and Tariq Bracey and Ramon Henderson and Houston Griffith do get exposed every once in a while. If I'm a defense, if I'm an offensive coordinator, those are the guys I want to attack. But like D said, Tariq Bracey came up with a huge pick in a moment we really, really needed it. I thought Cam Hart and and Kyle Hamilton covered really well again. Uh, And here's here's a fun stat that I didn't think, I don't think any of us thought we'd see coming. Notre Dame's tied for the third most interceptions in the country. They have 10, uh, Oklahoma State has 10, and then – I'm sorry, Oregon State has 10, and then Kent State's number two with 12, and Iowa has 16. So Notre Dame's got 10, 10 picks through six games. I think that's pretty damn good. I love – that t- turning the ball over is huge, especially when your offense is, is figuring itself out still. Uh, so kudos to the defensive to, – to the DBs for – and our pass coverage for, for, turning, for turning some quarterbacks over. Uh, that makes a huge difference in the football game. Riley Mills had a play. I thought like he played yep. all right. Foskey had yeah. a play. Skirt was 80. very solid up the Skirt, middle. It was good to yeah. have him back. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I love Howard Cross and Lacey, but it's good. Ah, uh, are they okay? Back. Are they okay? I don't know. I don't oh, know. Lacey, Lacey, Lacey was in for one play and got hurt. And so then he walked. He walked back to the locker room though, which I hope is a good sign. But uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I think, we'll get, I think we'll wait till Monday of next week, and we'll get Kelly in the presser. We'll get him in a full half hour presser, and I think 
they'll ask questions about that. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I'm curious about that. I mean, uh, as as bad as our quarterback situation was, it could be Oklahoma. It could be worse. Yeah, yeah, could be could be way worse. Also, I do want Bertrand led the team in tackles again. Sheesh, forty seven to ten. Good to see a bounce back. Yep, yep. I think you know, and, and that may have something to do. I think maybe more so than anybody. The two, the two guys who may have needed this break the most are the guys who've played the most offensive and defensive snaps, Bertrand and, and Mayer. Um, maybe Hamilton has more snaps. Maybe Hamilton have more snaps than Bertrand, but from a physical wear and tear standpoint, I really think that Bertrand and uh, and Mayer needed needed two weeks to to get healthy again and to recharge the batteries here. I hope they stayed away from football this week and focused on other things like eating their favorite Dunkin' meal or something like that because they needed and film probably and film. And film. They need and to film. be watching film. I know where Trend is. Physically, physically, I hope they stayed. They they were able to take a break this week because I think those guys, as much phys, as much as they are physical freaks, they needed it. Um, but all right, do you guys want to do? All right, I don't want to go too much longer. Do you guys want to do some quick hitters for midseason awards? Um, yeah, and then we can see predictions for next week, and then we can kind of get into previews and picks for next for for this coming weekend. Certainly. What do you got all for right. us? I got five awards. And you guys, we can all we can all name our own personal ones here, or we can give them out as a group debate if they're as a group. But I have, I'll give, I'll list all five, and we can go through one by one. Offensive MVP, defensive MVP, most improved player, the best play of the year, and the biggest surprise can be positive or negative. Oh, okay, so, all right. So should we offensive offensive MVP first? Yeah. Um, I, mean, I know they talked about this on the Cover Three Pod. If we're going by valuable. Is Sean Clifford in the mix? And we talked about it earlier. Is Sean Clifford in oh, the mix for most I was, I, was make, I was making this Notre Dame exclusive. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, no, no, no. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do Notre yeah, Dame. Let's, let's, do Notre Dame. let's do Notre Dame. Make that a little easier. I got it we'll myself. We'll narrow it down. And then because we, we're going to do predictions for for the, for the country next week, I think that'll play that'll play a little bit into that. Okay. Let's do, let's do midseason awards for Notre Dame. So we'll start offensive MVP for Notre Dame. Honestly, I – there's really only been one player on offense that's been consistent. That's Kyron Williams. I mean, he's the heart and soul of the offense. Are stats necessarily reflective of MVP candidacy? No, they're well below last year when he had the best offensive line in the country. But I mean, I mean, at least mentally, I don't know if Notre Dame's there without him. I mean, that's a dude who says, you know, get on my back, you know, let's go. Maybe he can't run the ball effectively every play, but you see when you even give him a chance, like that you know, was a seven, eight-yard run where he broke three tackles and carried another guy into the end zone last week. He's my most valuable because I think you know without him on this roster, we may have another loss or two. I think okay. that's a really, really, really good point, and that's something I wanted to touch, touch on before we left the, before we left VTM interventions before. But guys like Kyron Williams and Kyle Hamilton provide this team with an edge that I really haven't seen them have before. Um, they're scrappy. They're chirping all the time after the, after the play. They, uh, there was a fight like at the end of the game as the teams are going to the locker room. It's not Kurt stuff. It's it, yeah. It's not stuff. Kurt Ines, another one guy. It's not stuff that we typically see out of Notre Dame teams, but I was pretty pumped to see it. And D I, but it kind of speaks to what you just said about Kyron being the alpha on the offense, uh, I think that's a pretty good pick. I think the only other person I would probably put up for consideration would be Mayer. Um, yeah. But it, hey, you know, I got I, one. I got one. Who, you got somebody else? 
my boy Avery Davis, big catch AD. Oh, he, he might always be most comes. Consistent. He always comes up clutch. He's not the most valuable player, but I want to give him some props because sometimes he can go missing, but whenever we need him, he makes a big play. He did it again mi- in Blacksburg. I don't think he's ever missing. I just don't. Right. I think it's when Tommy Reese decides we're going to call a number three's number. But when he, whatever his number is called, he shows up, and I appreciate it's that always it's always on the seam down the middle. Followed yep. up by a short little out route for a touchdown. It's happened against Clemson, happened last week. And then when we're down yep. in the fourth quarter and need a touchdown. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, yeah. yeah so I think the only, other, the only other person I'd put in the mix, and I don't really think it's, they really necessarily deserve it, would be Kevin Austin because I think he's made some big catches and some big spots. He had the, the two point conversion last week. He had a few big catches against Florida State. He had a really good game against Wisconsin. I would need more consistency for him to make him a serious candidate, but he's the only other person I'd probably put in the mix. Okay. Um, I think the award should – we think we should probably still give it to Kyron, though. I think D made a pretty good case uh, in that his, his stats may not be there, but his pass blocking is, as I've mentioned, and have beaten into the ground, is invaluable. Um, and his attitude, the attitude that he brings and his willingness to run tough, even behind a, a struggling offensive line uh, – I think it just provides some pretty pretty important value to to this offense. Yep, I'll agree. We can uh, crown Kyron. I'm fine with that. Cool. Yeah. 23, baby. Uh, all right, defensive MVP. It's got to be – I mean, it's got to be 14. Got to be Kyle Hamilton. The only other person we can talk about is JD, right? Like, it's those two. Mm. A per- I think it's JD or Kyle and – what Kyle does under the radar, shutting down Jack Ferguson and stuff like that, is unmatched, I think. So, yeah. Pretty easy for me. I mean, yeah, it's an easy answer. Just another person we can talk to that has allowed Kyle to have a little more free range instead of having to, you know, sit in center field and clean up everyone's mistakes is Cam Hart being able to, more or less, like the last four games, I think he's, or last three games, he's given up like one reception. Yeah. He's been targeted um, 16 times, he's given up one reception. Yeah, no. Time. You know, he he's allowed Kyle to be Kyle, which we kind of really needed. We couldn't have just two gaping holes a quarter. Now we kind of have a half of one. Clarence is okay, but he's not great. Um, I want to put I want to put Cam Hart up for the next for the next one. Uh, although, well, although I think he makes this pretty solid candidate for defensive AP, I think he's going to fall into my most improved category. Um, I will say that defensive MVP. Stat sheet wise is probably JD Bertrand, but I think it, that's because his position allows him to fill the stat sheet up a little bit more, right? Like he's, yeah, he, he's he's the guy that's supposed to be making ten tackles a game, uh, and he does, and there's something to be said for that. But I think from a, from an actual value standpoint, it's got to be Kyle Hamilton. Dude's going to be a top five pick. Uh, he's very, he's very, very. Not that Bertrand isn't difficult to replace, but he's especially difficult to replace. So I think Hamilton's got to be our defensive MVP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Like I said, next most improved, I got Cam Hart, dude. I mean, I I, I fell in love with this kid. I, I'm a I'm a number five fan from here on out. Uh, outside of that silly missed tackle last week, uh, I think he's playing dramatically better than what we saw in the playoffs than what we saw any of the games last year. Um, and like D said, he's he's when you have a when you have a when you have a solidified corner like that. Uh, who can kind of match up with their with their best receiver? I think it allows the other ten players in the defense to play a little bit more free uh, and not really have to worry about it. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. He was 
a pleasant surprise. She was also up for that one as well. Um, I think the Adam Alolas also deserve a little bit of love yep. here too because they've been mm-hmm. they've done a lot on the D line that I did not expect them to do. Um, I agree. So both of them have played pretty well. Jason and Justin both have played fantastic. Yeah, I mean, sticking to the D-line, I think everyone expected a lot out of Fosse, but if you look back last year, a lot of his sacks were just kind of cleaning stuff up, him not necessarily beating people. And, you know, he's leading the team in sacks. He has six through six games, which is eighth in the country. Obviously, you know, that'll drop a little bit after the bye week, but and there's he's had more opportunities. Like I could see him getting 12, maybe even approaching 15 sacks by the time the year's over if we end up playing 13 games. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see some multi, some more multi-sack games, especially given how much USC likes to drop back and pass, Carolina likes to drop back and pass, even Virginia as well. You know, those teams are going to drop back and try to beat us in the air if we have Foskey pinning his ear back, pinning his ears back, and continuing to improve. Yeah, he'll become a weapon. Maybe even who knows NFL draft pick next year. Hopefully, he doesn't leave early. But I mean, if he has 15 sacks, that's only a good thing. Yeah, Foskey has a good case too. But I, I, I still. My I'm personal I, one. I'm with Cam. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, all right. Best play of the year so far. Dude, the, the two-point conversion this week goes up there. Yeah. I think. Uh, that... I think I – so here's – I think my the nominees have jumped right off the page to me, and I'm probably forgetting something. The two-point conversion this week, Tyree, Tyree's house call against Wisconsin, um, to, uh, Jack Cohn's game-winning – touchdown pass to Mayer against Toledo, albeit it shouldn't have been necessary, but break dislocating the finger, popping it back in and throwing it to Mayer is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were the three that kind of jumped off the page. I, I, I would also I throw in Kyle Hamilton's Kyle ridiculous interception against Florida State where he second one. makes a play that one player in the country can make. And that's just him. Yeah, I agree. Um, that And there's a good chance that, that Kyle Hamilton play should win it. I don't really – I think it's probably between the Hamilton, the, the interception, and the kick return for me. But I'll say, I'll say, if K doesn't make that catch while his face mask is getting ripped off, Jack Cohn running around in a way that we've never seen him do it before. We know he can do it now when he has to do it, when he absolutely has yeah. to do it. If we don't get that, they get the ball back, and they got a dual threat at quarterback. I don't really have confidence that we get the that we get the ball back, and we're talking about a loss this week. So that's. Like that's why I'm gonna go with the two point conversion, just because I think it most directly leaded led to a win. Yeah, I, I'm going with the Hamilton play. Just it doesn't carry the greatest magnitude. I agree, but in terms of just being an absolutely ridiculous play that we'll like after the season's over, we'll be seeing on every you know pre draft highlight reel. That'll be on there. So I think I. Was a, I most skilled play, maybe not the greatest. I think I think you guys both give really really good answers, and it's tough for me to go the other way. I'm going to go with Tyrina. I just uh, yeah. the, the the moment of, the moment of pure ecstasy for me as a fan was yeah. was something really really special uh, for me, especially because that's something <sighs> I've been I've been wanting for quite some time. What I think is Ian, maybe maybe we could do the, the Bishop Sycamore fraud of the week vote, but what we may also want to do is put up a vote for the play of the year because if we have three different answers here this may be a good maybe a good poll for, for okay our do you guys have any idea how to make it so that 
anytime you hit the button, it doesn't show like three wrong answers and one right answer. We could do it. We could do two different stories if we have a fourth play, which could be the mayor touchdown against Toledo, and do a bracket. Yeah, we'll do okay. a bracket. All right, so, maybe, so we, we'll have to. We'll have maybe we could just randomize the order, and since we all have a different yeah. play. All right, we'll randomize the order. We'll do a bracket, and we can post that either tomorrow or uh, tomorrow into Friday. All right, and then biggest surprise again. This is can be a positive or a negative. My, I think that the biggest surprise is how crap the offensive line has been. Yeah, like we we talked about it a lot. Like, yeah, there has been a lot of continuity, but the talents there. Patterson, Carell, Cade Madden has been the biggest surprise piece of crap. I think we struggle at the guard position. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, that was strong language. I apologize, but like, I am shocked at how bad that unit has been thus far. And they're coming around, but so far that was has been my biggest surprise. All right, I'm going to spin it and say the young offensive lineman. Blake Fisher had a very good half, first half, Florida State. And now <laughs> Joe Alt played pretty damn well. Got beat Josh Baker, by the Josh Baker might never play a snap of football. True freshman Fine is I think, I think we could have four years of just two bookend tackles that are truly like first-round picks, like Stanley McElintree so levels. I think so, too. I agree with so. you. I, I think that's surprising seeing how good those true freshmen are, and especially Joe Wall having showed up in August. Yeah, and, and here's another thing, Dee, to, to your point as far as, like, young offensive linemen. Like, we haven't even seen Rocco Spindler. Christophic's yeah. still young, you know. I think Zeke Carell is probably better when he moves back into his natural center position. Uh, good things to come from this unit. Not quite yet. Uh, not next six weeks, but, but I agree. I think the offensive line has been the biggest surprise. Um, I was really expecting more from them. And I think if we even just got an average Notre Dame offensive line, like they don't need to be great. They don't need to be good. They just need to be average. And then you had it's like 28. Yeah. If you had an average offensive line, Kyron probably is a thousand yard rusher again. And it's just, it's not going to come close. So that biggest surprise for me has been the offensive line um, for sure. Uh, all right. So we had those. Do you want to hold those questions about the rivalry games until next week, given that we're. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's move right into the preview weekend preview. Um, so I think the slate's pretty interesting. And the reason it's interesting, there's only two ranked games. Obviously, Notre Dame's not playing this weekend. Um, there's only two ranked games, but there's a lot of tight spreads. There's a lot of there's a lot of games where teams are one team is ranked and one team is not, and it'll make for some pretty good football. While there's no major marquee matchups like we had the previous weekend, I think we'll still get a pretty entertaining game of you know weekend, a pretty entertaining Saturday if you pay attention to to the scores in certain games. So uh, we can kind of roll into that. We have five games laid out. I want to double check the spreads here. Uh, one of the first one of the one of the only ranked first ranked games this weekend is Kentucky goes down to Athens against Georgia. I have the spread at twenty three. Let's see if that's still holding. Yeah, I saw tw- I saw twenty three as well. I just want to I want to confirm so we pick it at the right number. Uh, um, late, I'll, I'll check I'll weekend. check for you right now. I'm checking too. I'm on ESPN and can we pass it? Nope. ESPN is twenty three. 23. 23. Wow. FanDuel, use, FanDuel has 21 and a half. Let's use that 23 number because that's what I'm going to use. That's what I've been using. Okay. Uh, while, while the 21 and a half is quite intriguing, let's use that 23 number. All right. Anybody got, anybody got strong convictions on the Kentucky-Georgia game? The absolute <laughs> disrespect to the Wildcats 
Yeah. Absolute disrespect to the Wildcats. That being said, give me the dogs. <laughs> I, I mean, dogs. 23 is an enormous number. Like, it's just so big for an undefeated ranked team, even though they're coming on the road. Like, I don't know if Georgia is going to score that much. You know, I think Kentucky does have a solid defense. It's gotten them the six and zero. Is it great? No. Is it on Georgia's levels? No. I, you know, maybe they lose this game by 20, 21, three touchdowns. I think that's I, fair. I think you're you're definitely right. Like more than three touchdowns is crazy. I think it's gonna be more fun being on the dog side though. Like if you're on Kentucky, you're gonna be hurt. It's gonna be like move minutes. the ball. Yeah, you're gonna be so frustrated. So yeah. slow. Go ahead. So D, you're gonna be on the Wildcats, or you want you want yeah. the dogs? Okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be with I'm gonna be on Georgia, uh, and I think I've just I think you guys with everything that D said is correct. Like, this this number is probably too big. Uh, getting it over three touchdowns is is a pretty big number. I think I've just been burned before too many times where like I don't pick Alabama in this spot. Right? Like, I don't think Alabama is <laughs> gonna go win by this many, and I'm just gonna I'm just not gonna let it happen again. So if I lose this one. I can live with being on the wrong side. Uh, I think, like you guys said, Georgia's offense may not put up enough points to cover. I think they will, um, even regardless if JT Daniels plays or not. I think Sensibet has enough in the tank to, to, to get enough points up on the board. And I think this defense is going to hold. So I'm going to go with the dogs. Don't feel good about it, but, you know, we'll live. Uh, all right, next, the only other ranked versus ranked game on the slate this week, uh, Oklahoma State goes to Austin to play Texas. I have five and a half. I want to double check that again now. Uh, five and a half is the number that I have. It's down to five. So Texas is favored by five. Uh, what do you guys think? It's a tough one, um, yeah. especially because Texas looked good. I think this is a big hangover game. It's tough. Um, tech, I mean, that's a tough game to lose for Texas to your yeah. rival when you're winning by that much, dominating the game like that, and it just slips through your fingers. And I think Oklahoma State might take advantage of it. Texas is the much better team, but situationally, I'm going to take OK State plus five. All right. D? It slept on because Oklahoma has recruited well. They did have talent on defense to either in the first half, you know, or Oklahoma at least stopped Texas more or less kind of through the air. Actually, not really. Texas kind of did whatever the hell they wanted. But in the second half, they did prove that they had enough talent to t- stop Texas, at least in one sense of the game, running the ball. I don't think Oklahoma State does. I think Texas, I look at their offense, they have a ton of weapons. It's just I like the over in this game more than anything. But I, I think Texas gets it done at home. I think they score enough. Just like seeing Xavier Worthy and the weapons they have on offense. Like Oklahoma State can't shut down B. John Robinson the way Oklahoma did. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with D. This Oklahoma State team is good, not great. I think this is another, like I mentioned earlier, where some of these undefeated teams now start to run into the bit of their buzzsaw that is that is the back half of their schedule. And I think Oklahoma starts that now. I think Texas has played much better teams this far, and it's, that's the reason they're 4-2. and two. Not because I think they're any worse than what Oklahoma State is. While the possibility of a hangover is there, I still think that Texas has the firepower to get it done. In case Thompson's playing good football, Xavier Worthy was awesome last week. B. John Robinson, I expect to have another big week. I thought the offensive line played well. Uh, who's their number zero on defense with all the armbands? That guy was a freak. Overshaw. 
Overshaw. Yeah. Uh, I would like yeah. to see him have another big day. He he was fun to watch play football, mostly in the first half. He's but a beast. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Longhorns. No, I agree. Uh, I agree. Actually, I want Texas. You want Texas? You I want Texas. Okay. I I forgot that Oklahoma State was undefeated, and I think actually, that, I don't know why that like I'm with you. They have to lose at some point. This is a great time for them to lose. Here's a here, here's a hot tip for any of the list for any of the people who made it this far on the podcast. If you listen, this good for you. Uh, I am terrible. Far fair warning, I'm terrible at picking Texas games. I think I I probably have not picked the Texas game correctly in two years. So uh, fair warning. Uh, do do with that information what you will. Um, all right, next game, really interesting one uh, out of the Pac 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 twelve. I want to take a look at. Uh, we have. Uh, where's this game? We have Arizona State goes to Utah. Arizona State's ranked. Utah is not. Arizona State's number eighteen. Utah is three and two. Uh, who do you guys like in this game? This, this is a, this will be a Pac twelve after dark game, ten o'clock from Salt Lake City. What's the spread? It is even. It's to pick them. Oh goodness. Yeah, I, I legitimately don't know a lot about either of these teams. Um, I. I'm going with the home team, Utah. I really don't have a huge rationale behind it. It's just gut. So Arizona State's probably going to win by two and a half touchdowns. Yeah, no, I'll go. I'll fade that. I'll go Arizona State. All right, fair. I am. Uh, I'm riding with D. Uh, I think Charlie Brewer. Damn it! Since, since Charlie Brewer has left the program, uh, I think I think Utah has been a much much better football team. I think their new quarterback's playing a lot better. I like them at home. Uh, I think the Pac-12 just might do that thing where they beat up on each other, and and nobody is really convincing. Um, but I, I think Utah at home, if you just have to pick the game straight up, give me the, give me the home team, give me the team that's been hot with a better quarterback. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll roll with that. But hey, it gives us something to watch Saturday Saturday night, right? Something mm-hmm. to keep an eye on. Yep. Um, all right. This one is another really, really interesting one. Pitt goes to Blacksburg uh, as five-point favorites. This one is really, really, really important for the standings in the ACC. Uh, the winner of this one is probably on the fast track to Charlotte if they take if they handle their they handle their schedule. Mm-hmm. Yes, VT has what three losses now, but they don't. I don't think they have any in-conference losses or they. I, mean, I, I don't know. Whatever it is, I think they're one. I think they're one and zero in the conference, um, and they could, um, if they continue to win their games, like they'll they have a legitimate shot at winding up in Charlotte for the ACC championship game. So again, uh, Pitt on the road, but they're five point favorites against Virginia Tech. Who you guys like? We kind of beat them up pretty good, both starting and backup quarterback. We yeah. knocked them around. Um, I know we talked about this earlier, but Kenny Pickett, Mister Kenneth, is absolutely slinging it for Pitt. Yeah, uh, five point favorite in Blacksburg. We were a one and a half point favorite. Stop that! Give me, give me the. We got, we got. See, I, I'm, I'm thinking of it the same way you are. Is do I think we would lose to Pitt? No, no. they're favored against us and took us to the wire. I'll also take the Hokies, which could come back to bite me given their quarterback situation. But still, I think they'll be fine. I've, I've literally. I flip flopped on this game three times this week, and I still don't really uh, know what to do. I think I'm going to go with VT for the fact that I think their secondary is pretty good and is going to challenge Kenny Pickett. Um, and I think that Pitt has absolutely zero run game. Like 
like negative run game. Like it is all Kenny Pickett. And there's that little stat. I don't know exactly what it is, but you could look it up about Narduzzi being greater than a three point favorite on the road. I think if he's like a if he's if he's like a three point dog on the road, he's like incredible. As a, as a favorite on the road by more than three, he is like terrible. Like loses the game outright more often than not. So I'm going to go with VT for those reasons. Um, I just don't think when, you, when your offense has literally no balance and your and the VT defensive uh, defensive backs are pretty good. I, I think Tech has a pretty good shot at winning that game at home. Uh, and then another really interesting one here probably doesn't have a whole lot of conference championship implications, but should be a fun one to should be a fun watch given that Tennessee's on the up and up. Uh, we got uh, Ole Miss going to Knoxville. Uh, Tennessee is three point dogs at home. Uh, what do you guys like? So, sounds like Neyland Stadium is going to be absolutely I'm sorry, pop it's, it off. It's, it's two and a half now. It's two and a half. Yeah. Sounds like Tennessee, Neyland Stadium is going to be crazy. It's a sellout there for sure. They're checking the stadium, which I know is a big deal. Um, the over under is 82 and a half, which is so it's massive. I love college football. I love college football. That being said, Ole Miss, pound for pound, is just a much better team than Tennessee, I think. They're just a much better team. And they still only got one one blip on their schedule. Like, they only got one loss. And I think Lane has got them focused. Like, it's a revenge game for Lane Kiffin. Let's not forget. Uh, oh, yeah. I think, oh, yeah. I think they go in there and they take care of business. See, I, I have myself doing transitive property again, which I know doesn't work in college football. Shoot, my headphone. Um, but <laughs> keeping that in. The AirPod Pro. Yeah. Um, and I know that doesn't work. And I'm saying, all right, Ole Miss was probably more than uh, one point better than Arkansas. And I think Arkansas is way better than Tennessee. So, therefore, I'm picking Ole Miss because, you know, team A, team B, better than team C. I don't know. I'm just going with it. It's my gut. I realize I'm, like, picking, like, all favorites here, which is tough. I know. I just picked a dog. Yeah, we'll go with Ole Miss. Uh, I am all aboard the lane train uh, this week. Uh, I, I, this is like this is so stupid because I'm going back to the well that that was that didn't have water in it last week, uh, or had water in it and it evaporated within the last five seconds of the football game. Uh, but I still I still think Ole Miss is a better football team here. I will say that Tennessee is much much more improved or is much improved since ditching Joe Milton and putting in former VT quarterback Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker has, has changed this offense, and this offense dramatically for the better, um, and they could score some points here too. I'm going to go with the same logic I went with last week. Like I think this game could be tight, but Tennessee doesn't play field goal games. They don't kick field goals. They score touchdowns. So, I'm sorry, Ole Miss doesn't, doesn't kick field goals. Uh, they, they score touchdowns. So, for that reason, I think that uh, Ole Miss can, can win this game by – by seven, it may still be a one-score game, but I think it'll be seven and, and not three. Even though now the three, the three also works now. It's down to two and a half. Um, but I'll take I'll take Ole Miss. I'll take the Rebels. Um, all right, and we got a lock they really like. I do honestly. No, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Tell me, I, me. I I would not want to be the team playing Alabama after losing. <laughs> I'm going back to the well. Give me Bama minus 17 and a half at Mississippi State. Oh, boy. And, and they're at Mississippi State? They're at Mississippi State. I'm going to die my, on this. Poor Mike. I'm poor, absolutely... poor, Miss, 
poor Mike Leach, poor Mississippi State. I don't know, but they're not, there's no way Saban doesn't have these boys absolutely firing. Like, these guys didn't eat for a week after losing. There's no way they're not hungry dogs. Yeah. Jeez. I thought the memes, I thought the memes that came out of this week were like, they're really not, like, really not that funny, but I laughed at a lot of them. Where it was like, Saban, Saban's taking away the car and the house and whatnot. <laughs> Totally not kosher. But, uh, so, so, Ian, you said it was 17 or 17 and a half? I saw 17 and a half. Give me. We'll take 17 and a half. That's fine. <laughs> I'll take 16. Shit. So, I, I will say I am tempted to take the under 39 in Army, <laughs> Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's oh my God. God. That's almost an <laughs> yeah. academy under principal play. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very tempted to take that. Uh, given that I don't know if Army will score against Wisconsin's defense. Ah, fuck it. Let's do it. Under 39. Under <laughs> under 39? Like, Wisconsin does still have a pretty damn good defense, and I think they can shut down the triple option. And, I mean, I, I think this is a game where Army doesn't get above 10. Do I think Wisconsin can score 29 against, like, anyone? No. No. So, under right, – Army's under, solid, so. Or I had 39 and a half, D. Is that what you had? Yeah, let, let's do that. Under 39 and a half. Right. Yeah, I think that's a really, really interesting pick. And I actually looked at – I actually – here's a wild take. I actually looked at Locking Up Army. I looked at, at the uh, – at the. I, look, I looked at looked at locking them up because I just don't know if, the, if Wisconsin's going to be able to separate themselves because uh, the, yeah. the spread is 14. But what talked me off of that is that Wisconsin has the best run defense in the country. Uh, and, yeah, as we know, that's that's kind of what – uh, that's kind of what Army likes to do. Um, my lock of the week, uh, we're going back to the Fighting Greg Shianos. They're on the road in Evanston <laughs> at Northwestern, and this line is only two. Uh, they're only they're only two point favorites. I think they're much. I think the Big Ten East. Well, I think the big. I don't, well, I don't think Maryland and Rutgers are that good. I think the bottom of the Big Ten East is way better than the bottom of the Big Ten West. Uh, I think the quarterback's been playing better, and they still got a really good defense despite what Michigan State did to them last week. Uh, I, I'm taking the Scarlet Knights on the road in Evanston. Give it to me. I, I, I do not like the Wildcats. Pat Fitzgerald ebbs and he flows, and 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 he's he's at he's at a he's at the he's at the bottom right now. Yeah, no, he's way, he's way down there. They are shockingly bad week in week out, except for they yeah. play Ohio. <laughs> Every blind squirrel finds a nut, Ian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, fellas. Uh, I do want to offer the kicker's pick. He had a very interesting one this week. We're not going to put it on the sheet, but if you made it this far, you'll get the pick. The kicker really likes Purdue. Uh, I was looking at that. Plus really 11. Likes, plus 11. And a half. Yeah, 11 yeah. and a half. He really likes Purdue. Thinks this Iowa, Iowa spot could be a bit it's of a It's at down. Iowa, right? Yeah, game's at Iowa. Uh <laughs> Yeah. That's a, that would be that would be a stressful one, I think. I think he's kind of banking on the fact that he doesn't think Purdue will turn the ball over that many times. As That's what everybody says that, against Iowa, and then they turn the ball over. I know, I, I agree with you, but he he really likes the idea that Purdue's coming off a bye. I was in the trap game, uh, coming off a big win, and uh, just thinks you know just banking on the fact that, that Purdue won't turn the ball over four Speaking times. Speaking to the kicker though, here if you like it. Put, put the money line. Put the money on the money line. If you like it, <laughs> let down spot. Purdue, Purdue. Put, your big, put your big win. Put your big point. Uh, put your big point pants on and, uh, yep. and take and take take Brown. Yeah, we'll see. But he likes he likes the uh, 
he likes uh, Purdue on the road in uh, in Iowa City this weekend. I like it. I hope all of like everybody that I root for this week performs better than U.S. men's national team soccer because they just gave up a goal in the first minute. I was going to say the game was about to start. We are we are in danger again, boys. Like it's not dire, but we better damn win a couple games and make this World Cup. But we'll turn we'll turn around. Go go USA! Come on, boys. I hope yeah, so. it's the it's the kicker's birthday this week, uh, just like it was uh, Dee's birthday. Uh, was it last week, Dee? Yep, last yeah, Tuesday. Dee's birthday last week. The kicker's birthday this week. Um, happy so birthday happy to birthday. the kicker! Happy birthday to those guys. Um, also, Islander hockey back tomorrow. Pretty pumped to record oh, tonight. That's huge for you. Oh yeah, we're entering a great sports period. We're entering a great yeah. period of sports. Let's enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's enjoy it, fellas. All right. Uh, let's catch up next week. All right, enjoy, enjoy the slate. Sounds good. We'll, uh, we, we'll talk some USC. Go All us, right. win our bets. Yep. <laughs>